at this point, Paul has on repeat uh, drilled into their heads what the gospel is and what it is not. And he's called them on repeat out for being just honestly fools for trying to turn to anything other than the gospel. And so we just on, go, going through that over and over and over again. Paul has said it in a million different ways. Uh, here is what the gospel is. Here's what you go to for uh, justification. Here's what you go to for fulfillment. Here's what you go to for fuel. Here's what you go to for your anchor. This is what you revolve your life around, not around your life. And then he gave us an amazing illustration uh, with Hagar and Sarah from the Old Testament talking about here's what a faithless heart looks like and here's what a faithful heart looks like. Here's what a heart looks like when you're trying to control your environment and make this work the way you want it to work. And here's what a heart looks like that's just man, embracing God, trusting God, having patience in, in God. And then what he's doing now is he moves to the last part of the book as he's finally getting to practical application. Um, now, here, here's what I like about that. Paul spends the bulk of his time building up a solid foundation for, for what is ultimately going to be his practical application for him. And, and here's, here's what I think is so important about that. And it makes sense to me. And maybe other, I think people are different in how they view this. But why, that, why I like that is because I really don't care about what I'm doing if I don't know why I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a why person. I'm going to ask why. I'm going to want to know why. It's funny. Yeah, I know people can be different about this. Stacy's kind of the opposite. She's like, man, I don't really care about what I'm doing unless I know what I'm going to be doing. And so, you know, I know we can look at this differently. But again, he's just going to see, spend so much time helping us understand deeply, richly, and, and thoroughly what the gospel is. Amen. And that there's no other gospel, nothing else. doesn't Amen. exist. If people say it exists, it's just false. It's just not the gospel. It's you know, and he has very strong words about that. He's like, look, anybody preaches a, a different gospel than the gospel of Christ, let him be damned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. and he repeats himself. You know, it's like he very cares deeply about it, and I want us to care about it with the same level of passion and depth. And I care about this thing. Amen. I want to protect it. Mm-hmm. I want it to guide me. I don't want to guide it. I want my life to be anchored by it. I want to be fueled by it, motivated by it. I want to be centered completely around the gospel. He spent, guys, five chapters, okay, doing that. Five. Now what he's going to do is try to show us with with the gospel in view what it means for how that's going to look when you live it out in a community. Okay? The very last few verses, I'm just going to reread them um, from uh, chapter 5, verse uh, 15. It says, But if you, chapter 5, yeah, chapter 5, verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So he just got finished saying, okay, he finished his five chapter gospel treatise. He said, Therefore, love one another, because if you love, that sums up the entirety of the law. Like, if you want to know how to fulfill the law of Galatians, which you've just been so, you know, focused on doing, you're trying to follow these little things to get your justification. You want to circumcise, you think that's going to justify you. If you really want to uh, uphold the law, you love one another. Amen. Right? And he starts off by saying it's for freedom that you've been set free. And I think that's just something we've got to remember that we're not, we haven't been set free from sin. Those of us who have, we're not set free from sin just to twist our thumbs do nothing we're set free to love one another we're set free to have an impact on one another and Paul's like you want to follow the law why don't you try loving one another right why don't you try that out and so then he goes on and he says if you you bite and you devour like look that you don't be consumed by one another okay because we look if we're not being fueled by the gospel this little thing that we do here Sunday morning that I'm telling you right now doesn't matter 
if we're doing this to have a little social club, if we're doing this just to you know feel good about how you know we're so much better than the people that are outside of this room, look now, look that's not what this is for. It's not about that. It's about coming together to love one another, to build one another up, to have an impact on the people around us, all fueled by the reality of the first five chapters. Okay, so with the gospel in view, let's move into verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so that... That but right there is key. Don't, don't laugh at that. You're, you're, some of you wanted to. That but right there is key, and, and it is a connective thing, connecting that thought, what he's about to say to the thing he just said prior. So it's, that's why I wanted to recap all that. So, okay, love one another. You're trying to don't consume one another, but live like this. Keep walk by the Spirit. Okay? Now, now we're gonna, he's going to mention the Spirit actually like a few times. In this, in this section that we're going to go over today. And what he's ultimately going to be trying to do is paint a, a juxtaposition, which is a super, sorry, that's super fancy artwork. That, that didn't mean to come yeah. out. Super fancy artwork, which means putting something, well, not tip, not exclusively art, but we use it a lot in art, uh, putting something, putting two things next to each other that don't go together. Okay, So he's just going to juxtapose these two ideas. One, which is uh, walking by the Spirit. Uh, he's also going to word it as being led by the Spirit. He's going to word it at like keeping in step with the Spirit. Like he's going to word it a few different ways, which, which ultimately he's going to unpack that. But before he does, he's going to unpack uh, uh, living by the flesh. It's going to be really interesting. We're going to see he unpacks the two different ideas in a really interesting way. But here's one thing I just want to get like right out of the gate. When we think about uh, walking by the Spirit or, or being led by the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit, what I find over and over again, and I, you know, I look at it this way too, and it's just it cha- the reality of what he's saying. Like we want to take walk by the Spirit, and we want to think we'll take that and be like, I want to be like an oracle. I just want to know what God wants me to do today or tomorrow. And that's walking with the Spirit. Like we want to reduce... God, the Spirit, into a magic eight ball, right? They're like, God, am I going to be rich? <laughs> Not likely. Ah, you know, are you sure? <laughs> No. Ah, yes. Okay, I got one. It's like, that's just not walking by the Spirit. <laughs> Literally, what this verse means is walk with Spirit. Like, and so it's not about wrangling the Spirit down into our little magic eight ball, but it's about ordering our lives in such a way that we, like, we see the Spirit, and this is something again that's going to challenge us. We see the Spirit as a person, the person of God, made manifest to us, give, been given to us, not just as like a little like fortune teller, what am I going to do tomorrow, but as the force of God working in us, as he's right. already explained, to raise us to a new life and to seal us until like until redemption. Mm-hmm. That's man, that's a, and it's a person. The spirit's a person. Do you guys know that? Mm-hmm. Over and over again in the New Testament, the, the spirit is referred to as a he, as as a person with agency, as a person with will. Like it's a person. Mm-hmm. Spirit's a person. And so it's not just about spirit, you know, let me, you know, you know, it's no really like ordering my steps to be in line with the spirit of God. That's that's So he's just going to, you know, pull this apart, unpack it for us as as we keep moving on. Um, Okay, verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now this is strikingly similar to what Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter, you know, at the end of Romans chapter 7. Uh, you're probably familiar with it as like, man, I want to do the things, but I can't do the things. If I do the things I don't want to do, and I can't do the things I do want to do. And I don't know, like, ah, you know, what, what, is, what am I going to do, right? And so it's shockingly similar to this. Now, look, this, until the day you die. There will be a war within you. Like, like probably right now, in this, you didn't like some of my jokes. I don't like them either. That's fine. You know, you're thinking about what's, what's going to be after lunch today. You know, maybe you have a critical heart about how I'm handling the scripture. I mean, more things, not just centered towards me, I hope. But, like, you know, like there, every, probably every day there's going to be a war within you between what the Spirit of God wants, if indeed you have the indwelling of the Spirit, and what your flesh wants. And Paul, at the end of chapter 7, would lament towards that. He's like, ah, oh, wretched that I am. What do I do? But but now, if you'll recall, for some reason, we like to split ideas up between chapters and paragraphs, but they're not. What Paul follows that up immediately up with in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is, therefore, there's now no condemnation of those in Christ. Amen. So we're going to have a war within us until the day we die. So God gave us Christ. Because he knew we were going to be able to get it, and we, he knew it was going to be messy, and he knew we wouldn't be able to live up to that. So, therefore, there in Christ, you, there's no condemnation. So, yes, you're going to war every single day with me. There should be war. But those of you in Christ, rejoice. Amen. It's not just about, you know, we get to live by that. And, and ultimately, when we come to the end of this portion, I'm going to make a, a, a strong, I think, strong argument that walking by the Spirit really is just being in step to, to say to walk in the spirit is it's nearly identical to saying be in step with the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Live life worthy of the gospel. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get yeah. to that. Um, so there's going to be this war between us that we're just we're going to have to fight till the day we die, and, and it's only by walking by the spirit that we're going to experience any sort of relief from that. Okay. Um, let's keep moving. Now the works of the flesh are evident. I'm going to I'm going to read through this thing. We have we have a few different translations going on in here today. A few different words we're going to be working with. They all come from the same Greek words. Don't freak out. And, and I'm, you know, probably the two, majority in here, there's NIV, then there's ESB. For the really spiritual people, I'd be NASB. Right? If you're traditional, you're probably Rocky King J. Like, there's just going to be different words, but they all come from the same Greek word. Okay? So we're just going to, we're just going to break them. We're going to break them down. And, and ultimately, here, here's what, just keep an eye on this. The way Paul unpacks the works the deeds, the actions of the flesh, it's going to be different than how he unpacks the fruit of the Spirit. All right, so let's go through it. Verse 19 again. Um, I'm going to read it in my notes because I have the different words in it. Okay, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident or obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality or debauchery, idolatry, sorcery or witchcraft, enmity or hatred, strife or discord, jealousy, fits of anger or rage, rivalries or selfish ambition, Mm -hmm. dissensions, divisions or factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is one of the uh, more famous... uh, uh, sin lists in the Bible. It's not the only one. There's others, but this one, it's what, what's interesting is it's all really outward 
focused actions, see, the works of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, the acts of the flesh, okay? Um, and as Paul breaks, let's just talk about sin for a second, because I, I think what we'll find here, and it's just so huge that we know this, at the end of the day, intrinsically in every single person in this room, there's a rift, there's a rift in our heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11 puts it like this, that eternity has been put into our hearts so that we cannot fathom what has been done from the beginning to end. So there's this eternal size rift in our hearts that we're going to be constantly trying to fill. Because whether we word it like this or not, we are starving for something. Starving. And we're going to ultimately, all these acts, okay, if we're going to live by the flesh, we will pursue these acts to try to fill that rift. Every single thing that's done in here is done because you're trying to feel something. Right. Sexual immorality, you want to feel some kind of connection. Hatred, you want to feel some kind of passion. Uh, envy or jealousy, you want to feel some kind of status. Selfish ambition, you want to feel some, well, again, come some kind of status, some kind of elevated above everybody else. Like everything in here we do so that we can fill that rift. Yeah. And that's the war you're going to wage to the day you die. The day you die. But here's what's encouraging about that. Every single one of us in here are fighting the same war. No temptations overcome us. It's not common to mankind. Jesus, being the high priest, according to Hebrews, says that he, he, had, he was tempted in every way. The really cool thing, you dig into the Greek word every, it, it means every. Every way Jesus was tempted. Every single way you're tempted to fill that eternal rift in your heart with some of these things, Jesus felt that temptation. How incredible is that? The Hebrew says, now we have a, therefore we have a sympathetic high priest. Not a distant one, but one that gets it. Right. One that's like, when you're, in, you're, you're having your darkest night, you're like, man, I'm fighting this thing. Jesus is like, yeah, I get it, man. Yeah, I've been there too. So, so let's let's talk about some of these things. Let's just, I'll start back at, at the top. Sexual immorality, anything, any unsanctioned sexual act. Right? That, that's what that that's what's going on there. And that means any sexual act outside of the the covenant relationship of marriage between man and woman as it was designed by Yahweh. Every single sexual act. And then Jesus, as we love, takes it a step farther and says, even the mental ones, even your sexual thoughts. That's the same, right? Yeah. Okay, so sexual immorality. Let, let's, let's talk about that real quick. I, the way we, our culture, and we're not the only ones, the other cultures have done, the way our cultures view sex is broken, man. Like, we want to be defined by, by sexual relationships, right? It, it's wild. Like, and so we take this idea of sex, which was designed by God, Yeah. To be enjoyed, like, guys, it was God's idea. God doesn't look at sex and like, oh, sex, oh, I didn't mean to do that. But, like, he designed that thing, right? He's the one that made you compatible for it. That was, it was his plan. It was his idea, okay? He made it to be enjoyed within the covenant relationship of marriage, not just as a uh, commodity to be thrown out with no expectation of return. Right. And that's what's just so broken about how we view relationships. It's like, man... And we put our hearts out there, we put our bodies out there. And but when in reality, that's like, I think the, Kelly puts it this way, I think it's actually really good. Kelly puts sex as, it's like the cherry on the Sunday. That cherry, okay, you look at, they're not even like, you know, you look at the cherry, they're not even that good. Sex is good. The, the cherries are really, really good. <laughs> but when eaten with the Sunday, it's amazing. It's like, man, I just want to eat that cherry, right? It's so good. 
when it's on top of the foundation of the rest of the sun. Mm-hmm. But we just want to grab for the chair without everything beautiful that's underneath it. And I'll say this, intimate physical relationship is uh, strengthened and given all of its value within a relationship where you're committed. Where it's like, I'm yours, you're mine, you're safe here, I will protect you, I will guard you, I will raise you up, I will help you be more like Jesus. It's in that kind of relationship that sex is actually beautiful, good, right, and amazing. But we want to define it, like, we just want to reach for that first for some reason. And we, you know, we get it. We eat the cherry. And it's like, okay, it's like, and actually eat anything. It's funny that. Anyway, so we're, we're broken. I could go on on that. It's probably an older sermon. We're just broken in how we do this. So, look, anyway, relationships. Relationships are friendship first. We Okay, I'm not going to do that right now, but we're broken, and we got to do work on that. Yeah. Um, impurity. Wow, okay, I do need to move quicker. Impurity. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to, we'll just, we'll move through this. Um, any substance that is filthy or dirty or refuse, okay? It's impurity. Um, now, yeah, you know, in the Old Testament, it, you know, it was a lot about, like, ceremonial uncleanliness, but it, it's more than that. It's really anything that kind of, and again, it can be used often, you know, even in, even in the Greek word, it can be used often to refer to sexual impurity, and typically how we use the word impurity, but it is much more than that. It's anything that defiles the body. You can put a lot of stuff in that category. You can talk overeating. I mean, you can talk smoking. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go in here, um, but we'll get to smoking jokes later. But I do think you can fit there. Um, debauchery or sensuality, it, it's the, uh, it's the uh, partaking in something, mm-hmm. in indulgence, in lack of restraint. Mm-hmm. Like literally anything can be debauchery if done too much, by definition, right? Too much. That's how the English works. And so anything, even a good thing, sleep. It's a good thing. God designed us to sleep. Mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon naps. <laughs> Nothing else is better. Right? God designed, like we need to sleep, it's a good thing, but oversleep, it's a botry. Overeating, food, guys. Again, we just, guys, God invented that, okay? God invented the steak. It's his idea. And it's amazing. And food, I mean, food can be done really, really well. You, typically, you don't want, there's, typically, there's not a lot of debauchery going on with uh, uh, ramen, sometimes craft mac and cheese, but like, look, any, even food, guys, in excess, it's debauchery. It's, the, it's this indulgence in something with a lack of restraint, a lack of self-control, a lack of discipline, okay, debauchery, uh, money spending, uh, Look, even, you know, I've, I've met guys that even, no, I'm not going to go. Um, <laughs> anything like machine. Okay. Yeah, we got to move on. Idolatry. The false worship of gods. Now, we don't really struggle with praying to a, a picture or an idol of something unless you're Catholic. But what we do, i sorry, I was raised Catholic. I feel like I can okay. do that. Come on. <laughs> um, but I think what we can worship, celebrities, anybody? Anybody just stuck with wanting to find out what's the latest with, for some reason? What's the latest for for some reason with Kim Kardashian? Like why? I don't even get it. What they do? It's not. It, I don't want to. Okay, I'll watch my heart. Uh, celebrities. Uh, okay, this is tough for me because it's you know March sports teams. Come on. Right? No. Like, and you think about it, it could get weird. Paint your bodies. Spending thousands of dollars to see a game like sports. I think probably a more normal one for us is our job, I think. Yeah. Yeah? Probably not all of us, but I think a lot of us. 
I'm just going to worship my job. I'm going to sacrifice to the idol of work so that I can be really, really good at work. And I'm going <laughs> to neglect my sleep. And I'm going to neglect how my attention to other people. And I'm going to neglect my you know, commitment to God. Okay, that's, that's a thing. We've got to watch out for that. And I get it. I like working hard. I get that. We've got to watch it. You know, all things, right? All things have their place. But, but I think probably the most common one is just ourselves. Yeah. I don't think anybody would walk around saying, I, I think I'm God. Right. Uh, I don't know. Stacy had some weird studies when she was in South Africa. <laughs> but I don't think a lot of people walk around saying, man, I think I've got. But I think her actions would say that. Sure. Right. Her actions would say, I think I know best. Yeah. Her actions would say, I think I've got life figured out. Yeah. Uh, listen, you can go for a few, but again, if you, if you really embrace that idea, if you really just take that to its logical conclusion when you're living that way, man, uh, that's a crushing reality to live. Okay. Um, well, We'll move on. Witchcraft or sorcery? Uh, okay, so this is this really interesting word. Uh, the way Paul would have used it, um, I think likely he's referring to people actually like practicing magic, okay? Sure. Drawing on power outside of God, absolutely. I, I think what was simultaneous with that what was this concept of like indulging in substances that would control or damage the body. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would have been like a synonymous understanding with, witch, with witchcraft for Paul. And so I think, yes, throw in black magic here, go for it. Uh, also, I think this is absolutely where drugs can go. Absolutely, I do. Ingesting something that controls the body and harms the body, absolutely, I do think it can go here. Um, okay, hatred, enmity, we get that. Being hostile, being hostile towards people, have, creating enemies between you and people. Strife and discord, it's conflict that comes from two opposing sides. Really close, I mean, a lot of these we're going to see a really close connection, but I just like how Paul parses them out for us. Uh, jealousy, here's something interesting. Let me do jealousy and envy at the same time because we can tend to think they're the same, but they're actually not. Uh, jealousy is more geared towards uh, a thing a person has. Like uh, Joe used to have a really nice Mustang. I, really, I can't believe he sold it. I really liked the Mustang. Or, or I, or, or, but envy is more targeted towards the person. Okay? So jealousy is like, man, I feel incomplete without this object, without this thing. Without this car, without this boat, without this house. That's kind of where I'm at right now. We're house hunting. Guys, it's legitimately depressing right now. Okay? And I'm like, man, why am I depressed over that? Anyway, so it's like, you know, I need that thing to be happy. Yeah. Envy is like, man, that person has that thing. Ooh, Joey. (laughs) I don't like Joey. He's got that Mustang. So envy is just, it's more targeted towards the, the person. Uh, fits of rage, we get it. The acting out, the lashing out of the hatred, uh, selfish ambition, okay, so, or rivalry. So this Greek word was often used when somebody was running for a political office and was doing it just in a shady way, but at the end of the day, so they could elevate their status. I think that's really the, what, that's what we can take away from that. Anything you're doing to build your own little kingdom or to elevate your status for your own sake, okay, selfish ambition. Right. Um, dissensions, to be in opposition within oneself, that's what that word means, so he's referring to the body of believers, to so being at opposition mm. with one another, which, uh, look, the, the next one we're going to do, factions, to be def- divided within oneself, again, to the body of believers, to be divided within this body, right. which, okay, that leads to uh, dissensions, and that leads to uh, uh, strife, like, a lot of these are really closely connected, right. uh, we did envy, drunkenness, you get that, that's, you know, okay, that's easy. Orgies, here's an interesting one. Daniel, we already talked about sexual stuff. Orgies, really, I mean, we, that's how we view that word, but really what it is, it's just kind of like a group consensual sin. It, it's giving into that group mentality uh, together. And so that can be used a ton of different ways. I think probably the, mo- the most, when, when that clicked for me, was when I realized how I was joking with guys at work, usually about women. 
Mm. And I realized, okay, that's that's actually an orgy because we're giving into that group sin together. Mm-hmm. That group mentality can foster that sin. Look, it, it can be that. It can be it can be coarse joking. You can throw that in there. It, it can be just a mentality you have towards other people. I mean, just giving into any sin together. Over spending together, over eating together, just oh, we're together, so this is good. Let's just give in to this group mentality. That's that's what that is. And, and so there's a reason why I wanted to go down and break down every single one of these. A lot of us are really familiar with this list because we use it when we study out sin with people. Okay, um, so you're probably really familiar with this. I, that's not why I wanted to go and break it down. I, I wanted to go and break it down because it, we need to see that Paul makes special mention. To say this is when you act, okay, you want to live by the flesh, when you act out on that, here's what that looks like. We just need to have that barometer, I think, for us, Mm -hmm. that litmus test to understand, okay, am I, in what I'm doing, is it for the flesh? But also it sets up this brilliant, like almost as if the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, brilliant juxtaposition between the flesh and in what we're going to see in the Spirit. So verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I love that last part. You can't get enough of this stuff. You can't get enough of being patient. You can't get enough of being good. You can't get enough of loving one another. You can't get enough of discipline and self-control. Like these are things you can just keep adding and adding and adding on. You go to that buffet and you don't gotta stop. They're not gonna send you out because you're eating all the food. Like you keep putting that on the plate. You can have as much of this stuff as you want, and that's beautiful. That we continually, continually want to pursue these things. Now, now here is here's what I love about how Paul distinguished the two. The uh, acts of the flesh are Acts, deeds, things you do. What what or what are these things from the Spirit? What does it call them? Fruit. You don't just make fruit. You don't go and you just you don't go and you do fruit, right? Paul like and we, we Paul's understanding of this it's very similar to when he says like I plant in water but God's the one that makes it grow. Like you don't just go and do fruit. Fruit is a fruit of something. And so he says, okay, when you live in the flesh, you act this way. You go and do these things. When you choose to live in the spirit, this is what it looks like. It just looks like this. We tend to want to, like, break these things down and separate them. Oh, I like this fruit. Here's my favorite fruit. This is the fruit I'm going to work on today. It's not plural. It says fruit. And in the Greek, it's singular. Like, I'm not playing English games with you here. In the Greek, it's singular. When you pursue the spirit, you look like this. All this. Sin are things you choose to go and do. Living in the spirit is something that just happens. The fruit of it is stuff that just happens when you live in the spirit. Sorry, I said that wrong. You live in the spirit. These things are things that just happen. Right? It's incredible. He doesn't. So the solution to living in the flesh, he didn't just give you another list of things to go and do. That's not the solution to living in the flesh. That's not the solution to fighting the war in us. It's not, okay, well, here's all the things you want to do. We'll just go do these things instead. The solution isn't just a list of things to do. Because, look, here's what happens when we approach it this way. Either you fail, which you do. You will, right? You try to be really patient. And you're just going after patience. And you start getting impatient with yourself because you just can't be patient, right? It's just like you will fail in these things. Like, look, it's... 
it's not an or so you get it you just lose hope or let's say god help you actually do really well like yeah man i've been super humble <laughs> you know? uh, i'm not going to address when uh moses says that that's all the conversation <laughs> but like man i'm just man i'm so disciplined i'm dude, i'm killing it doing so good Look, here's what that mentality, it takes you two directions. One, you start deluding yourself into thinking you don't need God because you're doing this. A dangerous place to be, man. But you think you got it. Oh, man, that's dangerous. Okay. Or the second thing is you start looking down on the people around you. That person is not as selfish as I am. That person is just not loving the way I'm loving. I've been doing so good in this. Just look at them. And so we cannot... Look at the fruit of the Spirit as just another list of things to wake up and try to check these things off that I do these things. And what I feel so confident saying that because Paul just spent five chapters saying that's not how it works. And so here, here's where I want to bring these, bring these ideas together. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He's just going to keep, again, the gospel. Here it is again. This is, I think, this is a, a simile to what he says, and there's therefore now condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Right? You, you've killed that old self. Live in the new self. And, and if we're going to remember, because we've been doing this book for a while, what allows us to live is a new self. Spirit. Thank you for the two people. Yes, the spirit is what raises us to a new life. It's what comes within us and fuels us to move. God working in us. And so we pursue the spirit and not those things. Verse 25. And if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay. Let us keep in step with the spirit. Um... I started running again. I know I made the joke like a month ago about running, runners. I've been running again. Um, and uh, I went running with a buddy yesterday. Ran, ran track in high school. Uh, just built like a runner. Do you, look, you don't look at me and think I was running, right? You got built like a runner. I'm just I'm training with Jason. I don't know where he is. Maybe he's with the kids today. I'm training with Jason to do 5K, okay? I started out. I could run half a mile. Let's okay. Go. Could run. Thank you, bro. I don't think you should clap for it, but thank you. Uh, Come on. Been about a month. Yesterday I hit um, two two miles. No, Yay! Yay! Okay. The claps feel weird. It's still not good. And I'm not trying to lift myself up, right? But my, my point being is, okay, I felt good because I finally made some progress. Uh, then I run with this guy. It, it, I ran the two miles. And in, in that time, he ran three. In the same time, he ran three miles. And so I'm just like running down, and he runs past me. Shh, you got it, buddy! Like, right? It's like, on your left, dog! You know, like. So, here's the thing about running and about trying to keep in step with the spirit. You just got to appreciate where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> All right? You're never going to run as fast as the spirit. But Paul just says, hey, just try, okay? Right here. Keep on my hip. Let's go. Follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. Keeping in step with the Spirit is not about arriving at a point. So what the Spirit does for you already is make you worthy of the entrance into heaven. It's, you don't do that. Yeah. But everything he just told us was in relation to... Sorry, Joel. Everything he just told us, what was the context? Relationships. Relationships. He says, love one another. Don't do these things. Live like this. Pursue the Spirit. 
that we keep in step with the Spirit so that he finishes out on that note. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, ties it back into being relational. Guys, keep in step with the Spirit so you just love one another. So you can build this thing up. Right? It, it, yeah, he, he does make a mention of your personal, like you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. There's a personal stake in there, but I think primarily his concern right now is relational. If we're not keeping in step with the Spirit, this thing will fail. If we're doing this just to, you know, try to be good, be better, this thing, it's just not, not what it's built for. Here's the practical I want to end out on. I think, and I'm just, I'm pulling a little bit from chapter 6, whoever's preaching that, my bad, because, you know, but he says, if you if you sow in the spirit, you reap what? Eternal life. Mm-hmm. So in the flesh, you reap what? Destruction. Yeah. I think what we can do is we can ask ourselves, this thing I'm about to do, this action I'm about to take, is this sowing in the spirit? Or is this action I'm about to take, is it is it to indulge in the flesh? Is it to sow in the flesh? And that can just kind of help us. It can just give us a barometer for where we're at. And ultimately, what it all comes down to is just keeping in step with the gospel. I, I'm not going to go to this verse because I've, I've read it for you guys a ton of times. But, but Romans chapter 12, I think we'll probably memorize that by the time I'm done here. But <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, In God's mercy, do what? You guys got it. Uh, All right, we're going to keep reading. Okay, I'm going to keep reading it. All right, we, we got work to do. Okay, so yeah, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. All right? Now, the, this is your true and proper worship. And, and then, by doing so, you can actually, I'm paraphrasing, you can actually discern the will of God. Right. When in view of his mercy, you offer your body as a living sacrifice. And so I really do think what this all comes down to, coming, being in step with the Spirit, because who convicts us re- regarding sin and righteousness? The Spirit. The spirit. Who uh, raises us to a new life? The spirit. the spirit. Who seals us until redemption? The spirit. the spirit. Okay, so when we take all those things into account, I really do think you can just say, to keep in step with the Spirit, well, guess the Spirit is actively involved in the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's the Spirit that calls you into the gospel. Jesus died for you, but it's the Spirit that applies that death to you like in the and it's yes we keep moving and we try to keep in set but it's the spirit that ultimately even if we can't catch up to it even if we never hit that that half marathon or full marathon it's the spirit that seals you for redemption and so it's the spirit that activated everything the gospel so to live in step with the spirit i really do think it's just to pursue the reality that you are covered by the grace of the cross of christ Amen. and you pursue that reality every single day and you consider what are the implications of that reality on my life? What bearing does that have on my actions and what I do? Mm. And I really think that's how we keep in step with the Spirit of God. Okay? So I just think, look, if you just want that simple practical take back, okay? Uh, am, am I doing this to indulge in the flesh? Is this for the flesh? You just get, you got to be honest with yourself, ask these questions. Am I doing this thing? Or am I, am I going to go be with this person? Or am I going to do da Whatever it is. Am I going to take this job? Am I Because, again, it's not going to be the magic eight ball. You're not going to get that. But you can discern. The people around you through the word of God is what this thing is this for the is this to gratify the spirit of God? Or is it just to indulge in something in my flesh? And then I think on top of that, pursue the gospel, keep and step the spirit, chase after the spirit because of the reality that we are in Christ. And if that's what moves us, motivates us, guides us every single day. Amen. Amen. Okay, love you guys. Thank you.
Come Turn over to uh, Jeremiah 20 real quick. <laughs> 